0: All right, y'all, Steph Four here with episode number three of the Eat, Drink, Travel, Y'all podcast. Today, I am so excited to have... Someone on the podcast that I have looked up to for years, ever since I moved to Seattle. She is a badass food, lifestyle, travel photographer. Um, She has photographed, I think, every restaurant in Seattle, every chef in the Pacific Northwest. She has been all over and done so many cool things. Susie Pratt, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, like I was saying, um, you know, for those of y'all that don't know, I moved to Seattle in 2013, um, have been obsessed with food pretty much my my whole life, and things like Eater and Thrillist were kind of my Bible. People like Susie and Megan Hill were like the people that I were looking up to that were writing about food, that were photographing food, um, not necessarily cooking, but very connected to the hospitality industry. It is such an honor to have you here today. Um, and why don't you get us started with just kind of telling us how you got interested in photography. Um, I thought you went to school for photography. And we had a little chat <laughs> before this. She shocked me by telling me she did not go to school to be a photographer, which again, if you look at her work, is mind blowing. So just kind of tell us how your career got started,
1: Susie. It's uh, kind of a long story. So, <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. Uh, my mom was actually a culinary instructor at a high school, so I've always been around food in some sense. And so that was something that's, yeah, I've just grown up with. But, yeah, I moved to the Pacific Northwest in 2004 to go to school in Tacoma. And I actually went to school thinking I was going to become an athletic trainer. I wanted to study sports medicine, thought I'd go the medical route, and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was a runner. I did cross country and track was really into sports and health and nutrition and really thought that that was going to be the path I was going to go down. And uh, yeah, started going to school for that. But then my junior year of college, I went to Spain and studied abroad for a semester. And that pretty much changed everything. After coming back, I was like, I am not interested in medicine. I'm not interested in going down that route. I just want to travel. Like, that's all I want to do. And so, yeah, from then on, it was just how can I get through school the fastest? And so business was the fastest degree just to get out and get that over with. So I ended up majoring in business, which comes in really handy these days because I need business. (laughs) It ended up being a good decision. And, um, yeah, after school, I got a job at Boeing, went into finance, was not a good job for me at all, (laughs) something I did not enjoy doing. But it was a good way just to get started because camera equipment costs money. So that was a really good way just to get work experience and to realize that I didn't want to work in an office. It just wasn't for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think that I did know that you worked for Boeing actually now that you say it, mm-hmm. again, I have following just like your, you know, you online, your website, your social media for, for many years. So, wow. What, what a path. Um, where were you in, where did you say it was in Spain that you had, that you traveled to that, that set this all in motion?
1: Yeah, I went down to Granada, Spain. So that's the, down in the South. And I studied abroad there for about six months. But it feels like it was a lot more than six months because, yeah, when you're in Europe, you can just travel to all kinds of countries. So I think I went to almost 12 countries during the six months that I was there. And, yeah, I got involved with this group called Couchsurfing. I don't know if you're familiar with Couchsurfing. Oh, yeah, Couchsurfing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like early form of Airbnb so before you would pay to stay with with people in their houses you could like network with people and the whole idea was just to stay with them for free but you would do like the cultural exchange so getting to know people and getting a free place to stay but it was all about introducing your culture and so yeah couch surfing was a really big part of traveling through Europe and getting to know different cultures different food and just getting addicted to travel
0: yeah that's Okay, and so at this point, you know, you're you're in college. Um, are you are you taking photos? Is this when like you're? Nope. <laughs> okay, so this is absolutely like not travel getting sparked. I love it. I mean, mm-hmm. the I I'm missing traveling so much, but things are starting to open back up. So mm-hmm. um, that that makes me super excited. Well, okay, so you come back, you like fast track it through school you well, again. Business degree seems mm-hmm. like suited you, you well. Running your own business now. Um go to work for Boeing. When, when do you start realizing that you have this passion for photography or you pick up a camera?
1: So actually, so winding back to Spain, I did have a camera. There it was like a little point and shoot, but I remember my, my whole attitude was like, I don't need to take photos because I can just buy a postcard and the postcard will do all the justice it needs. I don't need to worry about photos, but I actually was like partially employed as like a student blogger so my job was to document like the whole time that I was in Spain. So I had to write these travel posts and I would, you know, take some photos to accompany them, but they weren't very good photos. honestly. Like they were pretty awful, <laughs> what? but yeah, that and was what like, travel to- writing at least.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're doing this and it's like 2006 is cause you came over to, to 2004 to-, yeah. to go to school. So this is
1: like really old school blogging. Yes. This it's is like, like- Yeah, like that blog doesn't exist anymore. So my mom actually went through and she printed out every page, which I'm really grateful for because if she hadn't done that, like all those blogs are like gone, like they're not online anymore, but I have printouts, which is pretty funny.
0: That is amazing. Uh, I, yeah, well, and I knew because your website also has some blogs on it that I've read. Uh, Susie is actually a fantastic resource for all you uh, (laughs) aspiring photographers out there. I have looked at many of your blogs about writing contracts and stuff like that. I mean, not only does she tell you how to use the camera equipment that she uses, she's, she shines light on things like yeah, contracts and brand deals and just, you know, there's so much that goes into it, especially being a freelance photographer these days. Yeah. Um, so, wow. Okay. So rewind. So you started shooting a little bit for this blog that's no longer existing like 15 years ago. And wow, mm-hmm. how things have changed. So when do you when do you in, you know, later start realizing this is something you want to do and really start shooting more?
1: Well, so I got back into photography or I got into photography at all uh, with couch surfing. So when I was working at Boeing, like most of my coworkers were like 20, 30 years my age. So it was really hard to make friends. Didn't have really any friends in the area. So when I was trying to socialize, I was like, well, there's couch surfing. And even though I don't need to find a couch surfer to stay with, there's like a local group and I can connect with people through couch surfing. And so I went to the Couchsurfing Seattle group. I don't know if it still exists. It might still exist. But that was how I really got into my first social circle. And through that, I met this guy, Dave Lichterman. He's actually now the owner of Windy City uh, Pie and Breezy Town Pizza. Okay. known for making Chicago-style pizza. Yeah. And uh, he didn't have a restaurant at the time, but he was known in our social circle for making pizza. So that pizza has been around for a really long time. Yeah, because restaurants aren't that old. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Um, he had had the idea to do a restaurant. But even before it was an idea, he was always into that pizza. So anyone who's known Dave for a long time has known him for his pizza. (laughs) And so yes, I met him and some other people through couch surfing here in Seattle and got into music from there. And so going to live music shows, and then I got connected with the local music scene. So there's a lot of music blogs or were a lot of music blogs, most of them don't exist anymore. But that was something that I just never knew about, because growing up on an island, like we have music, but not in the way that we do music in Seattle. So yeah, getting involved with music was really really the first thing. And so I started off as a music writer, didn't know anything about music. Some people will still say I don't know much about music. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to these shows and just reviewing, like writing reviews of shows, writing album reviews, writing news about music, and uh, yeah, it was not a job, really. Like, it felt like a job, but I wasn't being paid for it. I was still working my full-time job at Boeing, but it was just a way to feel like I had purpose because I didn't feel that way at my job.
0: One thing I failed to mention was that Susie has also photographed tons of events, including huge music events, artists, festivals. I remember seeing you do stuff at, like, the Gorge and just... How far that has taken you from mm-hmm. these little music blogs, what, 12, 15 years ago to, to just tell us uh, some of the bigger names that you photograph musicians by. <laughs>
1: Yeah, a lot. I think there was one year where I counted, I think I photographed like 350 different artists and bands like in a full year. So yeah, I've done a lot of them. Probably my favorite was Taylor Swift, just because she is just such a phenomenal like performer. Even if you don't like her music, just watching her perform is like, wow, like she yeah. knows how to be on stage and just captivate an audience. But yeah, so I was writing these reviews of You know, concerts and music shows. And then at some point, people were like, you should add photos to that because it's one thing to read about it. But if you can add photos, it just takes your blog to the next level. And so that's how I started shooting. (laughs) But those early photos were pretty bad. I did not know what I was doing, had everything on auto. I think I was using just a really cheap entry level camera. So, but that's how I started doing photography. And then seeing your work published and you're like, I think I can do better. I think I can learn how to make my photos look better, especially when so many people are seeing them. Mm -hmm. So that's really why I decided to learn how to use the camera properly and just start taking better photos. And um, so you just are you self-taught? Did you take a Mm -hmm. a
0: class? Okay.
1: yeah, completely self-taught. You know, a lot of I just learned by Googling it just being like, yeah. hey, basic photography courses on YouTube and just kind of mm-hmm. piecing things together. And I would actually say concert photography is among the hardest places to learn photography because you only get you know, the first three songs. You're not allowed to bring flash or any external lighting. So you have to really know how to use your camera well. And so learning in that setting, I was like, well, I have to learn every single part of my camera because I don't have light to work with. And so it was really funny when I first met Martin, we went traveling and he would make fun of me all the time because we'd go outside and I'd be like, I don't know how to shoot in the sunlight. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) what to do with all of this light. I'm used to shooting in the dark. But yeah, it was challenging, but it really made me learn photography really quickly.
0: And and Martin, just FYI, is Susie's husband and business partner and also a talented videographer and photographer. Just
1: how did you guys meet? We met on couch surfing.
0: (laughs) Okay. okay.
1: Is your friend correct? He's from, tell us where he's from. He's from Bulgaria. So it's in Eastern Europe. Yeah. And he wasn't part of the original couch surfing group that I met, but it was towards the end of when I was starting to not use couch surfing as much. He was one of the last people to message me and just be like, hey, I'm looking for someone to do photography and travel with. And we should meet up and just take photos together. And I remember seeing his profile because, you know, the way you evaluate if you want to meet someone in person is, you know, you read their profile you're like, oh, do they have references? They're not creepy. Can I see a picture of their face kind of thing? And I remember his profile. He had photos, but I couldn't really clearly see his face. <laughs> so I was this close to being like, no, I don't want to meet you. <laughs>
0: so. and look, look at your look at your life now. That's, a, uh-huh. that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my
1: mm-hmm. God.
0: And so he already was a photographer when you met him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He uh, did more product photography. So working in a studio space. But yeah, I would say actually he knew more about photography at that time than I did. So, so ended up kind of helping time, me out. at that time <laughs> yeah,
0: at, at that, that time combination to come from doing like live lifestyle really like high energy stuff and then to have somebody with like a studio background mm-hmm. I mean that's great because you can you know again being self taught it's all about I know me and my partner who are also self taught everything we do it's just like you go like you said go google this go youtube this go look yep. this up on iMovie go look this up on this like oh you know it's it's just all about figuring it out together and so uh, super interesting though that yeah because when you were doing this like teaching yourself to to learn how to shoot i mean that's gotta been like 15 years ago so this is probably like when youtube and youtube tutorials are actually like becoming a thing
1: yeah i would say so and actually i was probably using lynda.com a lot more because it was just more structured Mm -hmm. i think it was you know it's paid so you feel like you're getting more out of it if it's paid and it's more structured. So I probably use that more, but I definitely did and still do for video often just Google things on YouTube and just be like, how do I do this? And just learn it on the fly. Absolutely. Me too. That was what I was going to ask you next. Like how, how often are you
0: on YouTube or Google, like looking something up? I mean, I know, I know I am a lot.
1: (laughs) Constantly, almost every day
0: when there's just so many tools that we have at our fingertips with our computers, with our phones, with our cameras. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So cool. So you're like getting into this music blogging, you're starting to do photos, you're just being published. Um, When do you kind of make like not the transfer, but start doing like food and travel more Did travel or food come first or they both came at this. I definitely knew you first as a food photographer and Mm -hmm. then how much of the travel photography you were doing but yeah obsessed with food
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah travel's always been there i guess like as a vacation component and to this day it's still very hard i think to monetize travel and you know just make sense of that from a photography perspective so yeah food definitely came first um Through music blogging, I got involved with this website called Seattleist. It's no longer around. I think it's still available, but nobody publishes there anymore. Mm -hmm. But it was an offshoot of Gothamist, which I think is still around. And that's a New York-based kind of online publication. So they had a Seattle branch. And I got involved just by writing music reviews there. And then just having more free time, I just started writing more like news-based articles. And some of them are kind of restaurant-based And then the editor at the time was Alicia Vermillion, who is now the editor-in-chief at Seattle Met. But I was before she was there. And so back in Seattle, I knew her from there. And at some point, she had said something about, hey, there's this website called Eater, and they're going to be opening a branch in Seattle. And I'm going to be the editor, and I need to find a photographer. And so I remember at the time just being like, well, I don't really do photography outside of concerts and so I actually recommended a bunch of my friends I know some other people that can do it and then for whatever reason that didn't work out and then I ended up she took a big chance on me essentially because I didn't know anything about shooting restaurants or food and she hired me to be the photographer for Eater and same thing I'd say at first like I did not know what I was doing a lot of my early restaurant photos like they were crooked there were trash cans in the shots like I just didn't know how to shoot restaurants very well Mm -hmm. But yeah, Yeah. I learned pretty quickly just by doing and by Googling and YouTubing different tutorials. But that's how I got involved with Eater back in 2011.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Like what year, because I moved to Seattle in 2013. Eater was Mm -hmm. very much established as the like, you wanted to, I mean, I would wake up every morning and check Eater to see what was new on Eater for like at least the first two to three years. When I, when I lived in Seattle, I would check Seattle Eater and I would check Portland Eater mm-hmm. and that would be where I got my news and I see all your photos and all Megan Hill's articles. Like, and I mean, I'm still on the site pretty regularly, but okay. So about 10 years that Eater's been in Seattle as we were yeah. in 2021 and you just, again, taught yourself and, I mean, at this point, I feel like uh, I was saying before the show, I think Susie has photographed every restaurant in <laughs> Seattle, or if they've been an eater, she's probably photographed it, which is mm-hmm. is most of them. Um, and, and you're still working with Eater now.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm officially called the staff photographer, but it's not even a part-time job. A lot of people ask, you're like, do you work with Eater all the time? And I'm like, well, as for as often as they need me, I'd say. So it's on like uh, whenever they need me to shoot things. But the interesting thing about Eater is that when they first started, whenever they wanted photography, it wasn't no food. They only wanted restaurant interiors. They wanted clean spaces, no people, no food. And so I ended up doing that for the first few years. Never really shot food unless, you know, just happened to be available, I guess, in part of the assignment, but most of it was just straight up interiors. And so that was kind no, of difficult. It seems so weird now that we, what, do you
0: remember like when that shift happened, when they, when the publication started being more interested in like, what let, let's show the food. And then you, and then I guess you just went out and bought the correct lens and started teaching yourself
1: how to shoot, how to shoot. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, <clears throat> maybe four or five years ago. So it was kind of recent. And I think it was really because of Instagram. So Instagram being more food focused, like when you publish interiors or real estate, like people don't really care about that necessarily. So the food definitely attracts people more so. But that was pretty much a shift for me too, because I was just used to going into restaurants and being like clean space, no people, no food. And then having to add food on top of that was a bit of a challenge at first.
0: It's, I mean, and it's super different. And I feel like... I'm kind of the opposite of you. I started off shooting food because I really started off doing like social media for restaurants, which was what we focused on on social media. And then it really wasn't until a couple of years ago when I started realizing how important space and ambiance and environment were when you're showcasing like a restaurant. And it is very different to shoot a dish, a a tablescape than to shoot a restaurant, as you as you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I know this, like I, I, when you talk about just like the empty, clean shots, like Eater still loves those. And I think we all still love those, you know, as, as something we want to see about a restaurant or a place. And I can, I can picture many shots that you've done in my head. Um, again, she shot almost everything, those like really empty, beautifully lit um, space shots. But. So, okay, so that's yeah, I can't believe that that that's only really been five or six years ago since that shift. But I, yeah, that that makes sense. And I feel like so five or six years ago, we're talking like 2015, 14. And I feel like that was really when Instagram did start exploding with food like content in the hospitality industry and travel. Because when I moved to Seattle in 2013, I remember like Yelp was the really big <laughs> yes. like Yelp elite parties and Yelp mm-hmm. like that was like influencers, Instagram. I, mean, I hate the word influencers, but influencers really kind of took that over because Instagram became so popular. And I remember this kind of shift in marketing in the hospitality industry when people kind of really. Let's say like I got kind of fed up with <laughs> with <laughs> help. I mean, not that yeah. Instagram influencers are great to deal with all the time either. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. that, that definitely kind of pushed pushed us in that direction of these really sexy food photos that that people wanted to see. Um Okay, well well cool. So so you're you're shooting for Eater, you know, and and you're still again have you been working with them continuously for the past 10 years on and off? Yeah, pretty much, which it's been a long time. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. How regularly do you shoot for them? Like once a week? I guess it just depends on what What's going on? opening. It
1: depends. Uh, so we've gone through a lot of editors. Like it tends to be like every year there was a new editor for a while there. So there was always transition. So with new editors, they always have different preferences. And just Eater itself has changed their focus a lot. So um, it's been increasingly less these days. And mm. partially also because of just the state of things. There are fewer restaurants opening because the focus is usually on brand new restaurants. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: And obviously, we sure. have a lot of those in the past year. Yes. Hopefully we're, we're, it looks like we're getting back to a place where, you know, that will be happening more. Um, I'm guessing that the work that you were doing for Eater is kind of what propelled you into doing more like independent contract work. I mean, I know you've worked mm-hmm. with I mean, you worked with everyone. I mean, I know you've worked with Anthony's, Heartwood Provisions, like, I mean, outside of just shooting them for Eater and and dozens and probably hundreds of other restaurants and chefs, um, is the, the Eater thing what kind of propelled you into doing that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of like music blogging. Like, it, it just gives you that foot in the door to start talking to people that make decisions about hiring and, you know, the people that need content for the website, for social media. And so, yeah, just... By either getting me through the door, like you go in to shoot a restaurant and then you start talking with the manager, with the owner, they see the photos later and then they're like, hey, can we buy some of those and can you come back and shoot some more? So that was always a really good way just to meet people, get my foot in the door and yeah, just start networking. Yeah. Yeah, well, and again, you do a beautiful job, was
0: cruising your website right before this, which I've been on many times, and your Instagram, um, and yeah, I, I have no trouble believing that. We've worked with a lot of um, mutual uh, mm-hmm. restaurants and clients over the years, Susie has been kind enough to recommend me for a couple of jobs. Um, I'm, I am just was talking to Justin from Nana's Green Tea this morning, who right. actually, Susie connected we me with that we work with so, on social media and some photography um, as well. I think you again photographed her spot just like mm-hmm. <laughs> just like most of the places in Seattle. <laughs> um, tell us how so like now like like if I go look at your Instagram like it's a lot of travel. It's a lot. It's it's I. Right before this, you know, I looked at it again. I'm like, you wouldn't know almost (laughs) what sort of a food photographer you are because it is very travel focused. You are doing, you know, and like you said, a lot of the travel stuff you're doing maybe isn't monetized. It's what you love to do. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, when was it that you transitioned into doing more YouTube and video stuff
1: um, and then started doing more kind of like travel videos, which are so cool? Uh, So YouTube actually started during my honeymoon. So, in 2017, uh, Martin had just gotten a drone for the first time. So, we were like obsessed with the drone. He was taking all these videos. But then, afterward, we were like, what do we do with these? Like, we have these <laughs> little videos, but how do we edit them? Where do we put them? Where are they supposed to go? And so, that was a really big motivation for us to start learning video. But we uh, got married in uh, Italy, in Tuscany. And we also did our honeymoon around there as well. And so right before that, I had this partnership with Verizon. And they sent me like the Samsung Galaxy S8 smartphone. And back then, like I didn't care about having the latest and greatest smartphone. I think mine at the time was like four or five years old. So I didn't realize how far smartphones had come in, you know, 2017. But yeah, I had this phone. And I just started taking some photos and videos. And I realized that these are pretty good. I was like, I think that the video quality is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And so throughout my entire honeymoon, I had a, a camera. I think it was a Sony camera, but I didn't really shoot much with it. I shot most of that trip with the phone and, again, just had all these video clips. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with these? Maybe I should learn how to edit video. So I just learned on the phone, just shooting, editing little video clips, uploading them to sometimes Instagram, sometimes YouTube, I think there are still some early YouTube videos on our channel, actually, from that trip. Yeah.
0: They, they They're not really great. great. <laughs> some, of the, some of the original ones with the But I mean, that's such a cool thing that you mentioned, like the phones in the past, five years have really changed everything as far as what you can do especially like when you're making social media content either like for you even youtube or instagram i mean i just shot a winery video a couple weeks ago um tasting on the new wines that just got released we did the whole thing on my brand new iphone i hooked a little i put it on a tripod i, I hooked sure. it to a little boom mic and
1: the quality is outstanding yeah Yeah, phones are really, really good. I mean, I'm still a really big advocate of using a phone. Like when people ask, like, hey, I want to start shooting video, what camera should I get? And especially if you're on a budget, I always say, just use your phone. If you've got a modern phone, like I started that way, I know a lot of other people that shoot exclusively on phones, Mm -hmm. and they get phenomenal quality. Yeah. So that's really what started my video journey, which is pretty funny.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's amazing. I mean, I, like I said, I still do a lot of video on my phone. I definitely do not consider myself a videographer. It is something I am starting to delve into more and starting into the YouTube world more. Um, But yeah, I think that's great advice for anyone. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you, like, is if you have like advice for, you know, aspiring photographers or videographers. And I think like that is a great piece of advice. And I, remember very well when you started getting into the videography. And I remember, I think I might remember that actual trip when you had that phone, but I remember you talking about using the phone as your, as your video tool. And another thing, which I think is so great about Susie, I mean, she'll tell you about how to use a phone, how to use a camera, how to use a GoPro. Um, she really has just like a lot of blogs and resources that can help you hone your skills and learn, so you don't have to, you don't have to do it all by trial and error, like mm-hmm. like a lot of us have, have had to do. Let me ask you this, Susie: Do you still ever do any video projects with with your phone?
1: Uh, I do. I may not do you know the whole video with a phone, but I'll oftentimes use little bits and pieces. Like for most videos, I mean, it depends. If I'm shooting like a paid client video, then probably not. But mm-hmm. if I'm making a video for YouTube or for myself, usually there's at least three different cameras involved. And one of them is usually a phone. So, is
0: there, are you guys going to ask if you're shooting with iPhone, Android, what is your phone of preference?
1: I'm still at Samsung. So that mm-hmm. little Galaxy, like that really sold me. And so I've always been with uh, the Samsung Galaxy ever since. So I had the Galaxy S10, but now we're thinking about iPhone. I'm trying to convince Martin. So he has S9, also a Galaxy. But now we're like, maybe one of us should have an iPhone. So at least yeah. we can get the best of both worlds.
0: It, yeah, there you go. It's a battle. I've gone back and forth between the Google Pixel and the mm-hmm. and the iPhone. I am now back on the iPhone after mm-hmm. going back and forth a few times. I will tell you the new iPhone is amazing. Um yeah. When when the last pixel came out, the three or four, I'm not even sure. I do remember um the iPhone was behind. But with mm-hmm. the new one, they've 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 really they've really stepped it up. And I will tell you, like I've got I've got a backup phone. I have another <laughs> I have like, another phone, like yeah. but they're, they're great for, for video. I, I usually have like a backup phone with me in case I want to set up another camera on a tripod or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the phones are just great tools and not only for videography, but even like I posted a photo yesterday or the day before on Instagram. We took the same photo with my phone and my Sony camera and I liked the phone one better.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say I'm both like for phone, for photos and videos, like if I don't want to bring a big camera with me, like I'll just go with my phone and I'll be happy yeah. with it most of the time. And what are you, what is your, like? I know, like I said, Susie
0: does lots of tutorials, so she probably owns a ton of cameras and camera equipment and GoPros, yeah. but like, what is, what are you shooting with regularly or maybe a couple things? What did you learn?
1: Are you a Sony, Nikon? Like what, what's in your camera bag? Um, yeah. So I've shot with pretty much all the brands. Yeah. <laughs> I right. um, yeah. So I guess I just like trying new things out because I started with a Nikon. I had a Nikon DSLR, Then I went over to Canon DSLR, which I still have. I still haven't used my old Canon 5D Mark III, which, you know, it's an old camera, but it still works. So I still use it. And then transitioned to Sony. So I have a Sony mirrorless camera and I have a Fujifilm mirrorless camera. (laughs) So I've got more cameras than I really need, but I do use them all for, you know, really specific things. But yeah, I like the mirrorless because you can do both photo and video. It's a lot harder to do that with DSLRs. Yeah. Like I initially went to Canon, uh, to the Canon 5D Mark III with the intention of doing video and then looking at all the accessories and realizing, oh, this is a huge investment, which I'm not ready to make. Yeah. So it yeah. took until mirrorless to really make it so that video was a lot easier and cheaper to start doing.
0: What, um, what Sony camera are you using, if I may ask?
1: Yeah, I have the Sony a7R 3 which is really great for, yeah, I mostly use it for photos these days. It can do video, but I just like the video that comes out of the Fujifilm a lot better. So I end up using my Fuji for video. But really, I use, yeah, both cameras for both photo and video, just depending on what it is.
0: Which one would you say of the two or more? Because I made the switch from Canon to Sony as well. I went from a Canon 80D to the Sony a7 III, mm-hmm. and same thing, love, love it, um, but for you between the Sony and the Fuji, which one would you say is like more user friendly?
1: Mm, that's a good, good question. So- Fujis are great because they look like old film cameras and they kind of operate in the same way, so their controls are a little bit different. So if you have experience with film cameras, you might like Fujis better. I actually don't have experience with film cameras, so I can't say that that's my excuse for liking it, but mm-hmm. I do like it because it's just it's more manual in terms of like the controls and it's different from how Sony Canon and um Nikon do their digital cameras. So yeah, I personally like the Fuji. I I really just like the colors that come out of it because straight out of camera, like the color, it looks Photoshopped already. Versus on a Sony, I feel like you have to do a lot more work to the color, but on Fuji, it's like, I don't even have to do any post-processing. I just use that footage straight out of camera.
0: Okay, well, I may have to look at a a Fuji next. Uh They're pretty great, yeah. 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 Just another investment. Um, how many cameras do you have? Do you even have a count?
1: Uh, I'm actually currently going through an organizing like process. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> currently being organized, so I will do a count at some point. But yeah, okay. I have more than I need, I would say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, just from following you for so long, I've just like really loved... Um, Just like the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that you show, like the cameras that you're testing out. Like, oh, I got this lens I'm going to test out today. I got this GoPro. I mean, there's just your content is so interesting because of what you guys are doing and traveling and you're sharing like your food like sometimes and, and just things that I'm interested in already but then just like the added like educational value of someone that's trying to learn um, and you make things like really understandable and and really accessible. And I think it's, you know, that's can great. obviously <laughs> be very intimidating to learn about like high level technology. Like there's so much that I still learn, I'm still learning constantly about, about my camera And Susie has always been just so amazing to, if I've ever had a question about anything, I've been able to send you a message. I remember sending you a message one time. I was like this, this company I went to in Canada, like wants to buy this, this photo Mm -hmm. advertisement. No one has ever, you know, this was like a, two or three years ago, no one had ever wanted to do that for me. I was like, I have no idea. Like Susie, do I charge $50? Do I charge them $1,500? And you like took the time to respond, write something out to me and then like linked me to a blog that you have that like actually broke down for you, like kind of laid out some ground rules for like how to price out your photography. And it was just, it was so helpful. And I just, I love that because Instagram it can be, it is, it's very curated. So I appreciate like the behind the scenes and also like you're doing a lot of curated stuff too. Obviously you're creating all these videos and beautiful photos, but I love the, the realness of it all. And like the learning component of following you.
1: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I mean, I started my blog for that reason. So I have a blog, which I don't really update anymore but a lot of the content there, like I'd say it's pretty timeless. It doesn't necessarily need to be updated. But the whole idea was that, you know, there is not like you don't really go to school for photography for certain things Like you can go to school to learn how to use a camera. But I'd say that I would guess anyway, because I haven't actually gone to school for photography, but I would guess that they're not teaching so much the business side of it. Like, yeah, how do you charge? Or, yeah, just how does it work when you're actually, like, after you're done shooting? Like, how does that whole thing work? And so I've learned just by talking to people. It's always just like, when I meet a photographer, I, I always pick up something new from them. Whether it's like a shooting technique or just a business skill or something like that. But that's really how I've learned to run my business. And so based on that, I was like, well, it makes sense to try to have a resource for other people. Because it really is just something that you learn from other photographers. Absolutely. And I think too, especially again, with like the influencer,
0: just thing becoming such a thing in the past few years that it has opened the door for a lot of freelance and amateur photographers to make that leap into, um, you know, into professional work. So, you know, you mm-hmm. really didn't go to school for that. And and again, yeah. like you said I'm assuming if you go to school to be a photographer right now, there's a lot of things as far as like negotiating that you're not you're not really learning. Um, mm-hmm. and that's why, again, you I've always just been so, you know, intrigued and drawn to the things that you share on social media. Um, tell us a little bit about how the past year was. For you guys with the pandemic, I mean, it was, you know, y'all are very tied to the hospitality industry as, as, as we are too. And like how it was, it was a rough year.
1: It was rough. Yeah. So, um, Prior to last year, the main things I was doing photography-wise that made money was event photography and food and restaurant photography. And both <laughs> of those things got completely shut down by COVID Yeah, <laughs> within like a week. It's like I had most of my year planned out and everything got canceled in like a week. And I was like, great, how is this going to go? <laughs> so yeah, that was scary in a lot of ways. But then when we actually started going through it, I guess it actually ended up being good Um, because we started the YouTube channel in 2017, uh, based mostly on our travel videos from Italy, but then we came back and then for some, I don't remember why we started doing this, but I was like, Martin really loves being in front of the camera. Like he'll like, soaks it up really (laughs) confident in front of the camera. And I was like, you should be in front of the camera. You should talk about some of our camera gear. Like, let's just make a, a lens review video. And so he started doing it. And those videos actually got views. People were watching them. And I was like, really? Like, we don't know what we're doing. We barely know what we're talking about. But people were interacting with it. And um, yeah, just based on that, our channel, Gemini Connect, has become more of like a camera gear channel. (laughs) And we also have a side YouTube channel that also does travel. So we ended up splitting it off. But just because the gear ended up doing so well, that's why we started focusing on gear. And so we did that. Yeah, 2017. But then it's been kind of building up to the point of, well, maybe I can actually do this full time. So I started doing that full time last year because I had the time.
0: Wow, that <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And I was I don't think I realized you had two channels, one for the travel yeah. and one for on um, the camera gear. But I was and I'm not sure which one, but I mean, you have like 25,000 YouTube subscribers on one of your channels right yeah
1: that's the gear channel so yeah. something about camera gear people love hearing about it and so well, yeah at this point like i said i'd never get in front of the camera but at this point i do most of the of the videos there <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and youtube is a force well um that's that, that that's that's so cool yeah i mean and I, I i get why that's such a popular thing is because that's again you guys break things down, make it easy to digest. And there are, again, there's just so many things you can teach yourself to do on the internet. Now that like mm-hmm. I mean, people are learning like you did coming to your, your channel, you know, like, so everything like full circle, you're like creating those videos. Now that you were watching, 15 mm-hmm. years ago when the YouTube quality was probably a lot poorer than it
1: is. Yeah, today. in some ways we're like, we wish we had started YouTube earlier, but then we're like, well, the quality was really bad and we yeah. really are about quality. We want it to look good and be like timeless like that. So in that sense we're like 2017 was probably a good year because the cameras were there, the technology was there, the quality was there. So that was you know, arguably a good time for us to start doing it.
0: And so are you guys, I mean, you're focusing more on the YouTube um, like gear stuff and, and then the travel stuff. Obviously, it sounds like that's some more one that you're like monetizing, um, but you're doing you're doing both of them still currently.
1: Yeah, we're doing both currently the gear, you know, it has the bigger following it has the bigger audience. So there's more motivation to do videos for that channel. And we actually do get partnerships. So a lot of the reason why I have so much gear is that we get it sent to us to try it out. And sometimes we have to send it back, but sometimes they'll say, "Hey, just keep it," and we're like, "Okay." So we've ended up with a lot of camera gear that way. Okay. But yeah, it's uh, that's the main thing that is driving things. The travel does make money, but it's a, it's a smaller odd a smaller audience, and it's also growing a lot slower. But it's still something that we're doing on the side. And so, I mean, that's your focus. Like, that's like, I mean, of course yeah.
0: You're- like shooting things but that's yeah you have transitioned over into like a youtube star and i mean youtube is still like i mean such just a huge i mean it may be the biggest social media platform i am embarrassed to say i don't use it as much as i use some of the other ones um but it is it is definitely a force um are you guys are you guys doing tiktok at all
1: no, we're not doing TikTok. I'm not even on it. Um, basically, because I don't want to give myself more to do. <laughs> but, and uh, th- my thing with TikTok is that the videos are too short. So, yeah. I just can't wrap my head around how do I make something short and compelling? A lot of my videos are long because I need the time to kind of tell the story or something like that. And I just don't quite, I like short form video, but I don't have any desire to create short form video. So yeah, we're not doing that.
0: Well, and I think I saw recently you posted something on Instagram or somewhere you were like, we just posted this really long video and it's
1: doing really
0: well. I'm trying to remember how long it was because I thought it was super interesting and I clicked on it.
1: It was a two hour video. I think it was our trip to the big Island. Wow. And it it did well. It's doing well. So the thing with travel is that it depends on certain locations now and which ones are opening. And so I think when Hawaii opened up again to travel, people started YouTubing and Googling like different travel ideas for Hawaii. And so our video, because it had been there for about a year, was rising to the top of certain search queries. And so people were finding it that way. But yeah, travel is, is an interesting niche on YouTube. <laughs>
0: It is. Um, two hours. Okay. I, I didn't remember it being that long. I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I didn't have two hours. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I thought, it was, I thought it was super, super interesting. And again, I'm just like always trying to keep track of what's happening, social media, trends. It's a lot to keep up with. Um, mm-hmm. as you know. um, let's talk a little bit about just as someone who has been so connected to the Seattle Food scene obviously always knows what's cool that's opening because you're usually the one photographing it and reporting on it in some way. Um, Can we just talk about like some of the restaurants or chefs that you've met and loved or food that you love in the city? Just throw out a few shout outs.
1: Yeah, so I actually feel a little disconnected from the Seattle food scene right now, just because there's so many new places that have opened. Yeah. And I think just the whole strategy with eaters that we're not even trying to cover them all anymore, because there's just too many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say Chef Shota Nakajima, who we've both worked with, like, yeah. def- I'm so excited for Taku to be reopening. And I've been watching him on Top Chef. So yeah. definitely very excited and yeah. He is very, very talented.
0: Tell- I actually told him I was going to be talking to you. And he was like, You <laughs> call Susie, I said hello. He's- yeah. Yeah. In yeah, so- um,
1: any any others, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um let's see. I mean here in Columbia City, we have the Coffee Holic, so the Vietnamese coffee shop. Like that one has been very popular. I finally made my way over there <laughs> a few weeks ago and uh, tried them out. But there's always like a line around the block for them. And we also have the Flower Box uh, Donuts, which yes. are pop-ups, and they're still like not even fully open for service just because their pop-up demand has been so big. But She's yeah. very
0: talented too, Pamela. I believe
1: that's
0: mm-hmm. her name. Very young, um, talented uh, donut maker. Those donuts are dangerous. Yes, <laughs> very. Not surprised <laughs> to hear she's not surprised to hear she's so busy uh, at at all. Um, mm-hmm any any cool i think we actually met i was going to say like if if you wouldn't mention like a few of the cool events that you've gotten to photograph food wise and i was going to say like we actually met at like the James Beard Foundation Ooh. award dinner i think and it hasn't even been that long i feel like i kn- i have known you that was like maybe 2018 or 19 um Something like, yeah, two or three years ago, I'm the years are running together, but yeah, mm-hmm. so on top of you know, food photography, travel photography. Um, Susie, if if you were at an event in Seattle, you know, two years ago, she was probably photographing it, probably. Yeah, <laughs> tell us like just quickly, like one of the one or two cool things that you've gotten to do
1: event wise. Yeah, uh, I would say, yeah, um. I've been able to do, yeah, the James Beard Awards. So some of those have come into town and uh, probably the Sundance Film Festival is one that I've been looking forward to a lot. I've been doing that for like the past five years. And that's (laughs) over in Park City, Utah. And that's more like event kind of celebrity focus. But they, you know, most events have food. So, occasionally, they'll also be like, hey, can you shoot whatever chef is there? Can you shoot the food? And then, like, with, sh- with uh, restaurants and chefs being more in the media these days, sometimes there are full documentaries or even TV shows about chefs. And so sometimes that comes full circle. Uh, do you know if they're going to do Sundance this year? That I don't know. Like, I think events are still a big question mark for everybody. I yeah. don't know how that's going to go. I think uh, so. Everything has gone virtual. So, yeah. you know, in some ways, maybe virtual works better for the event not so much for the photography side of things yeah. But really have to keep going you know sometimes it just makes more sense that way
0: well you might be busy this year because um miss pratt is actually pregnant with her with her first with her martin's first child you are you're me what two two months out from yep from the little guy or girl being here with us
1: yeah it's a boy and he'll be here hopefully late june So yeah, that's coming up. And yeah, I'm not really sure how that's going to look work wise. But in that sense, I'm glad that I do have the YouTube and just certain types of work that I can do virtually. So in a way, it was like it was kind of good that COVID happened to slow everything down. Because knowing myself, I'm still having a hard time reckoning that I eventually will have to say no to a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult.
0: Do you think you'll get into like, uh, mommy, like blogging videos? I mean, I feel like you will, because I feel like it's just like your life. And
1: and you're going to share that stuff, right? Or or, I don't know, maybe you're like, No, I'm not going to do that. I've actually thought about it. But it's Martin who's like, No, we should not be pigeonholing ourselves into that. niche. (laughs) So I would say that about YouTube is that you do have to be very careful about what kind of content you create. Because if you you position yourself as a mommy blogger like that's what you're going to be known for and youtube only well will a- after a while they start to promote videos that they know are going to do well so if you establish yourself on a certain topic and you keep making videos about that it's good but if you get off topic it starts to punish you and your videos don't get viewed as much so yeah i initially thought about it and i t- you know tossed it around i think we will in some capacity I think the idea right now is to take our travel channel and right now it's about, you know, traveling as a couple. So Mm -hmm. we actually just transitioned that into family travel. And so we can do it that way.
0: Very cool. And like, you know, um, it's, it's really interesting to see a lot of like the food travel bloggers, influencers, photographers kind of evolve as they, you know, if you start watching them when they're young and then they start having families. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's obviously, you know, a massive, you know, audience out there for traveling with a child, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, I one of my favorite uh, bloggers, um, Anna everywhere, I met her years ago. And now they have two little ones. And and she and her husband are both international photographers, they travel all over live all over. And it's so cute. They've gone from being alone to having, like, you know, one in the stroller and one on the hip. And it's but it's been, you know, they've amassed a different audience. But Mm -hmm. definitely hear what you're saying about about staying in your niche, because I think like, obviously for YouTube, same thing with social media. If you just start posting about something that's not relevant to your audience, like they're not going to be interested in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, okay. Well, well, Susie, this has been so interesting and like, just again, such a, such an honor to have you on as someone that I've looked up to, um, for years, uh, one thing I would love to to ask you before we leave is if you just, if you have any words of wisdom for any aspiring photographers or videographers out there, like what would you, what would you tell the aspiring food travel photographer and videographer?
1: Uh, I would say just get started, like just start <laughs> shooting things and don't be afraid to share them. I think especially like when you're doing something new, it's really intimidating to, you know, you shoot a lot, but then it's like, what do I do with this? And I'm kind of afraid to let people see it. I don't want the criticism, I think, especially for video, if you start recording yourself on video and posting it online, and you're like, people are going to see this, they're going to say things, am I okay with that? But I think you just have to get started. And like, the more feedback you get, you know, some of it might be negative, but a lot of it is actually going to be positive, it'll be helpful, and you can improve from there. But it's just about, yeah, letting people see your work and know that they know that you are creating things.
0: I love that. I love that. So you guys heard it. If you are thinking about going to photography, videography, like pick up a camera, start doing it. Try not to be shy, accept criticism. We all started somewhere. Like Susie said, you can scroll back on her YouTube channel for a long time. Mm-hmm. you back on my Instagram for a long time you can find you know how we've all transitioned and learned um, but such good advice for the person out there wanting to wanting to get into to food and travel photography and videography and it couldn't come from a more experienced person y'all thank you so much um, for tuning in today Susie thank you so much for being here again it was an honor and a pleasure um, and we will see you guys next week on the e Eat- Dream, Travel Y'all podcast. Susie, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you.